0: Welcome to the Pouring 20s, Kentucky, Louisville Ale Trail, Against the Grain Brewery, High Wire Brewing, and West 6 Brewing are proud to present the return of Louisville Beer Week. This year, Louisville Beer Week runs Friday, October 22nd through Friday, October 29th with an after party at Tailspin Ale Fest on Saturday, October 30th. Those celebrating can expect beer collaborations, panel discussions, and over 20 events put on by 23 breweries. And thirsty patrons can now be quenched like never before with a limited edition Pouring 20's 22-ounce commemorative cup that will be made available in participating brewery tap rooms. For for more information, visit www.louisvilleailtrail.com. Beer. Hey all you cool creamales and coultes, welcome to another episode of Boys Are For Martin, a Women and Beer Podcast. On this episode, I am joined with the fabulous Julia Hers of Hers Muses and Gray for Good. Um, you know Julia, she's done a lot of things in beer and we talked about all those things. Um, but before we get to that interview with Julia, a beer that I had this week that I really enjoyed, I'm actually drinking right now. It's called kalima it's a coffee cream ale out of esoteric brewery in cincinnati ohio esoteric is the only minority owned brewery in cincinnati and i was up there for um their women and beer panel they had part of their anniversary so i had to pick up their very infamous uh kalima coffee cream ale and it literally tastes like cold brew in coffee form and it is absolutely fantastic, so if you ever get a chance to to try some of their beer, uh, definitely do it and check out the Kalima. Um, Again guys, you know I've been pretty busy so I haven't been following anything in beer too too much, so the only thing is I continue to uh, want to talk about is, you know, just stuff going on with everything that came out because of uh brian allen's slash rat magnets instagram it's something that is still being talked about with different breweries and ones that have been listed um check out the Brave noise beer collaboration keep following women of the revolution with ash elliot um just don't stop continuing to grow and learn and educate yourself um and especially on breweries who have been named had had serious allegations named against them and are still kind of doing nothing. So, this isn't an issue that's gone away and I'm going to keep bringing up every podcast so that I keep it relevant and I keep it relevant with my listeners. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the podcast with Julia. Hello everybody. I'm join, joined with Julia Hers of of Hers Muses and a bunch of other things that we'll get into. Julia how are you doing this Monday afternoon? Hi, Kinsey. I'm doing very well. Super psyched to spend
1: some time and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, Julie and I have been trying to record a podcast for probably about two and a half months now. I contacted her before I kind of did my hiatus and um, things got a little crazy for me. So we're finally able to connect and sit down, and have a, um, have a great conversation. She has joined me from her her mobile office which is her car so if you hear anything crazy in the background some sirens it's probably not you it's um it's the podcast <laughs> so we'll kind of go ahead and, and i like to kind of start from the beginning with people's careers you um you're you're living in colorado right now you're in are you in boulder area or boulder i'm i'm sitting in boulder right now because i just had a meeting in boulder uh
1: my home is north of boulder in Lyons, colorado where the original oscar blues brewery started and uh, it's kind of in the foothills of the rocky mountains
0: but so you graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism from the university of south florida um in tampa and you after that you began your career working behind the scenes at cnn doing kind of political work if, if that might be the right thing to say. So, you know, I guess my first question is how did you get from doing that to working in beer? Like where was where did that switch happen because I would say I would assume most people know you about your work with 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 craft beer and with beer than they do maybe your your political side. Um
1: yeah, I essentially um It's a great question because beer's always been a passion of mine and I home brewed a batch of Scottish ale. My joke is is we added way too much corn sugar, but still rocked. And that was in my young twenties when I was in college. Um, But when I was in college, I really was looking to get into media, right? I wanted to be a, a field reporter, maybe eventually a news anchor and work my way through the ranks on local affiliate television, maybe even to national. So when I was at CNN, Washington, D.C. as an intern and then a production coordinator and eventually associate producer, I was on the path I trained for. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, the bug was there to have adventures, to travel and kind of just didn't have an answer on what I wanted next. But my answer was to my parents, like, I don't want this. And, you know, young kid in her 20s, they didn't they didn't really feel a lot of comfort with that answer. And I said, well, I need time to figure it out. So I quit my job at CNN. My friend, Christy, quit her job as a concierge. And we traveled cross-country for almost a year on the road. And, you know, Kinsey, we lived off of $15 a day. And we traveled in my Volkswagen Jetta, called it the Gypsy Jetta. And we would camp. We had our tent with us. We would stay at friends' houses. And when we didn't know who to stay with, because we were in almost every state in almost a year, we'd go to the brew pubs or we'd go to a brewery. And then we'd always meet cool people and just say, hey, we're two, you know, two um, young women on the road. Where should we go camp? Where should we go explore? And we always ended up guided, um, getting guided in a great direction from there. So on that trip, I decided, oh my God, I wanna work for a brewery. <laughs> and so that's, go ahead. I mean, I could keep going, but that was the quick answer to your, your individual specific question.
0: And that's, and that's really funny because, so I, I graduated from journalism school at the University of Kentucky and I started out in, I wanted to do broadcast, but then I essentially hated being on TV, you know, hated that short form, you know, writing style that broadcast is. So I switched to print and wanted to do sports. And then when I told my parents, I didn't want to do sports anymore and I kind of wanted to do beer, they kind of were in the same, you know, they had the same like thought process. They were like, well... Sports is obviously very established. Like you'll find a sports writing gig or producer or whatever, you know, they didn't really know too much about, and this is even in 2017, they were like beer, really? Like you can make a career out of that. So that's, that's funny The how, you know, similar, I didn't go across the country or anything and survive all $15 a day, but, um, <laughs> kind of the same, same pass that we kind of went through post-college. So your first job in beer was, um, you you worked for the Brewers Association as sales manager, and we'll get to that later, but you worked um, with the Association of, or I'm sorry, you worked at Redstone Meadery. Was that your f- first, like, I guess, real, I mean, it's not even beer. Was that your first beverage job?
1: Well, Brewers Association, which used to be the Association of Brewers in one form, was my first in the beer biz job. And I was a uh, sales manager. I sold all the advertising for Zymergy, New Brewer Magazine, the the event programs, Great American Beer Festival, that kind of thing. And then I left and became vice president at Redstone Meadery, which is still um, alive and doing well today in Boulder, Colorado, selling mead. I was the first employee. You could basically play racquetball inside the meadery and then when I left there was so much equipment they were like oh we need the ceiling to be higher you know one of those situations um so some of it kind of ties to women though and since the theme of you know your uh amazing podcast which I really appreciate and love and thank you for your work and the content you bring us um is really women related frankly you know I children birthing children definitely influenced my career differently than my husband and so when I went back to the Brewers Association. So I had been in Association of Brewers as a sales manager, left and had two kids, and then started working at Redstone Meadery. And then lo and behold, Ray Daniels, who runs the Cicerone program, was leaving the Brewers Association and he was the first craft beer marketing director. Mm -hmm. And when I heard about that job, it wasn't because I was looking for it, because I had a toddler on my hip and a little newborn in the left hand, you know, like two babies, and but four people in like six months told me about that job. So I finally said, I'll go in interview. And when I interviewed with um, the Brewers Association, then because they became the Brewers Association in 2005 or six was the merger. Um, I said, I'm not nine to five material. But here's what I've done. I've promoted an entire beverage category. Who else are you interviewing that has promoted a beverage category? I had promoted the beverage category of Mead, not just being at Redstone, but being co-founder of the International um, Mead Festival and Competition. And honeywine.com had been my website since the late 90s. So I'd already run a website dedicated to promoting all the, the producers in that category. And so at this point, I don't even remember your question, but um, you know that was that I was able to talk my way—I um, don't want to say around, but address like. Look, if you're a friggin' woman in the biz and you actually end up having children in a family, you're going to have a different path than a man that did not birth those children and grow them for nine months and then feed them after that, and you know all these things we don't talk about until today. So they were willing to take a risk on me and my need for flexible schedule, and I was grateful for that. And I made it until a
0: COVID caused layoff, which happened um, last year in 2020. Yeah. So, well, you, you definitely skipped ahead a little bit, but that's all right. Um, And I just want to add, you know, I think it's a really interesting point to talk about. And one that I'm no expert on it because I don't have kids is a woman who works in the, the, the essentially any kind of alcohol industry when they are pregnant, because that, you know, if your job is somewhat to drink beer and you're pregnant, that just adds a whole nother level of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say like complications, but it's just another thing that women you know deal with deal with yeah or try delivering beer i was or i
1: was delivering cases of Meads, like you know more and more progressively pregnant and i'd get to the like retail establishment and i didn't want to ask for help but i was also told don't lift anything over 20 pounds and so you know sometimes frankly the jokes would fly and it was you know shameful Mm -hmm. and not you know i didn't feel shame but i was tossed shame and i think any woman that uh You know, it charts her path, needs to be prepared to be her best advocate and to do things to keep her healthy and her baby healthy, especially. So if you're pregnant, don't lift boxes over 20 pounds. Be okay to tell people and look them in the eye with a serious, earnest look like, hey, I'm bringing you your, you know, what you ordered, but I physically cannot carry it out of the car. Please help me.
0: And then one question before we move on to your your role at the the BA is- We've mentioned meat a bunch of times, but I always like to think just like a common person listening to this podcast. They might not know what mead is, or I hear it's it's honey wine. So I bet you can give a better description of actually what mead is. Sure. And anyone that is in the Beer Judge
1: Certification Program... Um, The beer style guidelines uh, under BJCP, right? Beer Judge Certification Program also go to mead, also go to cider and and other beverages. So you really want to know about mead, there's a whole mead judge certification program. But honey wine, and the reason that is an easier thing to say sometimes than mead because it's pronounced M-E-A-D, but people might think you're saying something else, mead, meat, I don't know. So honey wine is fermented, honey um, to the level of, a, of an alcohol beverage. And uh, it's an incredible beverage category that's emerging and simmering and, and maybe going to grow even more than cider one day. But I, I love mead, but I always, frankly, out of the gate started homebrewing first. And in my education, I definitely as a um, became a certified beer judge first. Uh, although I happened to work at a meadery producing mead.
0: Yeah, we actually have a local meadery here just outside of Louisville, which is um, very cool to be able to say that, and, and they make some incredible stuff. So after Redstone, you mentioned this, you started working for the Brewers Association as the craft beer program director. Um, you, know, you know, that's a kind of a broad title. What was your day-to-day like? What did that title, explain what that title meant?
1: Um, I mean, you can go to my website hersmuses.com and see my body of work which I'm very proud to have uh, grown and matured and contributed to over over the years. Uh, And the essential role was grow demand for craft beer and be a voice for craft brewers, and help elevate the beverage of beer because when I came in in 2007, we were still fighting to have people, you know, pour beer in a glass right. Um, fighting to have people think and know and be aware that beer was more than just kind of mass-produced American lager. And that certainly, that that war has been won yeah. um, it, where it matters, right? So I'll still drink a beer or a red cup at a tailgate if you hand it to me. I'm no snob. Um, but we needed that to happen because when I came in in 2007, there were 1,450 breweries in the United States. And then, um, you know, as of last year when my layoff happened in, in June of 2020, uh, there were 8,000 almost almost 9000 breweries. So you really did have to elevate the beverage of beer and and get, you know, craft brewers on the map. Um, And I'm proud to have helped contribute to that entire community that now is uh, so many breweries strong.
0: And I think one of your most lasting impacts is you've created, you created the independent craft um, brewer supporter seal, which is usually I'm like looking around like I have a beer next to me is that little indie beer bottle uh, image you see on a lot of cans or stickers on brewery doors. Um you also came up with American Craft Beer Week, which I believe is in February, October. Uh, May
1: and I that torch was passed to me. I definitely I was a lead architect behind so many of those. And some of them I started from scratch from my own head and you know with the team that that uh I got to support like Small Brewery Sunday. Yeah Small Brewery uh, Sunday
0: and then Independent Beer Run Day as well. Yep.
1: So, lead, yeah. Lead architect behind that as well with, you know, amazing minds, uh, really thinking all together of what, what's going to help, um, give craft brewers something to really leverage and grow them, you know, their awareness and demand. So, yep. Those are, those are some of those things.
0: Yeah. Those are, I mean, those are holiday. Obviously I worked in, in the beer world and for an independent brewery and those are breweries, you know, or those are holidays, I guess, holidays, beer holidays. So that I I've come to really know, and you see a lot of breweries plan and organize big events around that. So, um, you know, it's, I know you were a part of making some of them or behind some of them and you just shows you like, you know, how well, but will see they are for breweries and people, people, um, you know, drinkers as well, especially the independent beer on day, because that's on July 3rd, July f- around it, yeah, around July 3rd means so. stock up for July 4th yeah, time yeah. to do a beer run. Yes. Um, and then you, you've mentioned it, you were, you were laid off due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which I was too, but only after three months of the job. So I can't imagine, you know, 13 years of the job and then a pandemic hit so 13, three months is a little bit easier to, to understand and deal with and cope with essentially. But through that, you started your own company, hers muses. So talk about what that is and why you felt it was time to start your own business company.
1: I love it. Great opportunity um, to share what one goes through when you don't have a plan <laughs> and none of us plan for COVID. Um, and I certainly didn't plan to, to leave my, my beloved job of, of representing craft breweries in the U.S., uh, so when it happened um, and you know, Brewers Association laid off close to 40% of its workforce, uh, I was in a state of grief and shock and just traveled. And so all I knew how to do was get back on the road, which I was busy doing anyway, when I was working for the Brewers Association. This time it was in my camper, my pop-up camper. I called it a vision quest journey. And my vision quest gave me time to think, right? You're driving alone. It's nobody else. You don't have time to be on social. You're driving, putting in a lot of hours. I went to 12 states in like a two-month period. And that from that, it became apparent that I had enough people reaching out to me that I think I could translate that into strategic advising um, within the space of beverage alcohol and so why not start a consultancy so hers muses enterprises um, really is uh my business that uh kind of gets at what i love doing best which is helping fuel um you know businesses, movements, causes that kind of move me. And then also professional speaking is a part of it. And then under that umbrella of, um, the, the causes, I also allowed myself to showcase and grow. And it's still active today, a passion project called great for good for all womanhood. And that, um, campaign, which could become its own nonprofit, I mean, that's strategic work now, or a for profit org, I think has a lot of validity of saying, you know, we need to no longer shame women that don't color their hair, because during COVID, and and my trip, I I had stopped. um, And I was like, two toned and looked kind of awkward. And I just felt awkward in everything I was doing. But once I got halfway through, I'm like, this is this is a thing to me, I want the world to support me more. So, it's encouraging women um, and celebrating uh, those that don't color. And then it's also looking at taking the $20 billion a year that we estimate is spent by US women on coloring their gray hair and shifting it to women and girls' causes. Because women and girls' causes in the United States, if you calculate all the charitable orgs, only get 1.6% of overall charitable giving.
0: Yeah, I I remember when you you, you started talking about your gray for good. campaign and it's when you talked about all the money that is spent on coloring your hair and how you're using that to give back it's such a i don't know i was in awe because it's nothing you really think about and then you guys are obviously you're you're being gray for a good cause and i just love that because you know i'm i'm 26 and i dye my hair and i'm like thankfully i'm not i'm not going gray just quite yet but it's just like it's it's an incredible thing as women to be you know for self um, you know. um when I'm blanking on a words, you know, how they look and, you know, feel, and it's, it's a confidence thing. So I know you've got some really amazing names, um, part of it. And, um, I just, I just love that cause it's so different and unique and, um, yeah, I can't say enough great things about it. Um, part you, you mentioned you do like, um, business consultation, a uh, part of hers, uh, muses, hers muses. Um, talk about some of the brands that you've worked with and some specific examples that you've helped uh, them with.
1: Awesome. Uh, right now, I'm on the uh, um, board of directors for Left Hand Brewing Company in Longmont, Colorado. I'm on board of advisors for Mob Craft Brewing, who is not only out of Milwaukee but also opening up new locations in the U.S. with the with the newest one being in Denver, which is super cool. Um, not a paid gig, but I love to bring it up. Is is I'm a commissioner in my little small town of Lyons for the Parks and Rec Commission, and example there that I you know we we created beer holidays, right? and that engages the base. And our town is a real big issue with light pollution. So I created and spearheaded Lights Out Lions Night and we encourage businesses and and, uh, and citizens to go low or no light that night. And we timed it during the Perseid meteor shower. And then you could watch the Perseid meteor shower with lower or no lights in your home, from your home, or join us in one of our biggest parks and just like in this open space. And we had the most magical night of like getting everyone to hang out and watch the Perseid together. And like creating awareness for that has to do with gathering people, which I love. Um, you know, Gray for Good is a great example of what, you know, creative thinking can allow one to do. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, another uh, group that I'm loving supporting is uh um, Pink Boots Society and giving my time towards advising um, some of their efforts and supporting them in their brew coalition um, work as one of the people that sits on the brew coalition at this current point in time between the ASBC, the Brewers Association, and Master Brewers Association, uh, American Society of Brewing Chemists, forgive me, I shouldn't use acronyms, um, the, the Cicerone Program and Pink Boot Society. There's good work getting done after, um, you know, frankly, what happened with Rap Magnet and the whole exposing of what women and um, underrepresented groups, we don't wanna just limit it to women, um, deal with in um, beverage alcohol. So great example to support the, you know, the, the feet on the ground for that. Um, Chicago Beer Museum or, or the Brewseum, Liz Gerby, and she's amazing, um, I, uh, can't say enough about her work to um, create one of the most prolific beer history museums in the world and and be approachable to everyone, documenting history instead of writing the book in one way, because women and underrepresented groups often get written out of history. Um, so I'm on their board of advisors. And yeah, I mean, it's a super fun list. Um, I've been doing speaking at um, conferences, too. I'm sad that we won't. I would have gotten to come out and drink beers and bourbon with you. We, uh, You know, I was going to come out to the um, Craft Beverage Expo. Oh, in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky, and they just pushed that off to March. Did um, they? So, I didn't even know it. They did, didn't they?
0: I yeah. just realized that. Yeah.
1: So getting out into the space, talking about the lessons I've learned, my two talks that were going to be at that conference were A, um, you know, craft beverage um, disruption and how any, you know, craft beverage category can do what craft beer did. Uh, and then the other one was, it was titled refreshing reckoning question mark. Maybe, maybe not. And that was the title of the talk because yeah, we're in a refreshing reckoning, but what change is really happening? Um, and there's a lot of raw, real emotion going on now and much more, I think, advanced awareness. Um, and so the band-aid's been ripped off, but that doesn't mean the scab ever, you know, really heals and, and the wound closes up we have to keep the pressure on and keep the stories going because there's a lot of people in the space um, or in our culture that just haven't dealt with what others have dealt with so until everyone has that um you know that seat of empathy
0: i don't think we're going to be in
1: a place where the refreshing reckoning is ever reconciled
0: yeah no I, I i couldn't have said that better with than which how you said it excuse me words um One of the things I want to talk about with you is something that I'm, one of the things that I would love to be better about is food and beer pairing. I know that's kind of your, one of your passions when it comes to this industry. And you even co-wrote a book, uh, "The Beer Pairing, The Essential Guide from the Pairing Pros. And it was, you're one of those pros. If you could give one specific food and beer pairing that you couldn't live without, what would it be? I love this
1: question, Kinsey. Thank you. And I mean, the book's been very popular, at least in terms of a a how-to book, and it just went into paperback, which is super cool. Um, My uh, suggested pairing to you would be American IPA and fettuccine Alfredo Mm -hmm. with um, freshly sprinkled um, parsley, rosemary, and thyme on top of that fettuccine and then those herbs are going to really sink into the american hops and an ipa is bold and and you know um robust enough to stand up to the true you know rich um uh heavy nature of a fettuccine alfredo with the Parmesan and the cream, right? Um, And then you're going to also get some uh, umami from that Parmesan, and the uh, the beer itself is going to serve as a really the malt in the beer, the pale ale malts and crystal malts or whatever's in that IPA is going to serve to bring those noodles to even more flavorful place. I think my
0: stomach just grabbed listening to you talk about that. One of the things, so so I'm a vegetarian. One of the things that I've seen recently is an emphasis on beer and vegan food pairing, which I think I think that's very important because obviously, with you know, I think climate change and an emphasis on health, a lot of like beer drinkers are switching to a plant-based diet, and I love to see that we're we're noticing that. And you know, hey, you know, here's a a, a beer and like a burger, a beer and chicken, or even fish. Let's let's reach out to the people who don't eat that. And um, I know Jen Blair is kind of. One of the people who are kind of spearheading that campaign. So I'm excited to see some more beer and vegan food pairings.
1: Yeah. And on that, the beer pairing, my beer pairing book that I co authored with Gwen Conley, she's a vegetarian, not vegan, but vegetarian. So we wrote that whole book covering all bases, including accounting for. Vegetarian, at least, and um, I think that's a really important space to remember that in today's gastronomic world, if you're eating and drinking beyond just for for survival and thirst, right, Mm -hmm. and you're privileged enough to be in the space that we are in, and probably most of your listeners, hopefully, um, then we need to look at our food not just as for fuel, um, but as gastronomic delight. And the way we want to do that is is remembering that perception is personal. Each person has their dietary preferences and differences of how they eat and consume and accounting for that when you write a menu accounting for that when you suggest pairings um, and accounting for that when you are you know um, seeking out that next great discovery of beverage and food
0: yeah because there's a lot of times I see you know restaurants whatever having a a beer and food pairing and I'm always super interested in doing it to learn more but then I can't go because it's a very meat-based diet and they usually don't have an option for a vegetarian dish. So as someone who, who's trying to learn more about food, food and beer, it's, it's nice to see that they're, you know, reaching out to other, um, diets. And then I know you mentioned your favorite beer and food pairing. What's one that people wouldn't think are good together?
1: Oh, it's one, it's in the beer pairing book, and we had to file our chapters. um, And one of the chapters was based on uh, a pairing description that we really intimately could describe and take people through. And with Flanders Red, I mean, I love um, a Flanders Red and so many of the great you know commercial examples out there both domestically made and imported um but i was like at the end of the day i don't want to just go with a belgian dish because it's more of an american audience that's probably going to read the bear pairing book um so flanders red and uh um lentil soup mm, is okay. a home run really? pairing home run and i wish I've i've even done you know interviews or podcasts where like they're like read an excerpt from your book and i'm like oh my god i'm reading the flanders red lentil soup section because that like is poetry on impairing motion you know and so reading it I mean there's so many you know there's essence of uh root vegetables right in lentil soup sometimes carrots um and uh you know you've got like synergy too in the in the brown malt um uh of the of the Flanders that find its way to that stock of a lentil soup and you know lentils um have umami and so they give a richness you've got really like that uh seed of actor vinegar um essence going from Flanders red that really cuts through a lot of the richness and the and the heaviness of those beans and the umami and you can really taste things in a more bright fashion um yeah it's an amazing pairing highly recommend and many many people if you're like selling a flanders you might have a can of lentil soup in your fridge if not any grocery store you're going to be able to find lentil soup go ahead and pair that and then Tell me I was right or tell me how I was wrong, because I believe you will have a fantastic journey either way. I know what I'm having for dinner uh, this week, one night. Nice. They transform each other. And that's like with, you know, with pairing, I always talk about, it's like trying to describe a dream, right? You wake up, you try to tell yourself, your journal, your significant other, what you just dreamt. And as soon as you try to put words to it, it kind of sifts away like sand through the sieve. Well, Can you at least tell me, was the pairing that you just had, beverage to food, a home run, one plus one equals five, right? The food made the beer better. The the beer made the food better. They transform each other. That's a home run pairing. And, you know, one in 10, one in 20 pairings that I am presented maybe are home run, but it's really fun when you get there. And the middle of the road is they're not two ships in a night, but the food and the beer don't take away from each other. They don't really transform each other, though. And that's most pairings I'm given, which is nice, but not a home run. And then, you know, train wreck is like a negative palate clash of like, oh, my goodness, that like that beer became flabby and I could no longer even taste the flavor right against that piece of pizza or, you know, duck dish or whatever you're going to have. So those three buckets, at least, when you pair, then you can articulate to somebody else, and their brains can start to perceive at least what level you thought um,
0: that pairing was. Patagonia No, yeah, I love that. That's you really can see your passion about food and beer. Food, God, I keep mm-hmm. wanting to say food, foob, uh, food and beer pairing. Um, and I love that. Like I said, as someone who's not super familiar with all of it, it's it's a, so awesome, so incredible to listen to you talk about that. And then, so I, I I can't remember when this was, but you were just in a movie um, or not just in a movie this past year, you were um, a main role in beer, a love story. So talk about that experience and, you know, how you were approached, what was your reaction when you were asked to be in this movie?
1: Awesome. And the reason Frederick Mosier, who's an amazing man, got me to do it was because he talked to me as if he appreciated my homebrewing prowess mm-hmm. so i was the featured homebrewer in the film and the beer a love story really is a um, movie set in six different countries so it's a global view on beer it's really about the ingredients and the romance behind the brewing process um, you can take many angles to beer and that was the point of beer a love story is that it is such an art and, a, and a, um, a beautiful practice with amazing ingredients. So that's how he convinced me. Um, we feature one of the big scenes that I love. Uh, we shot in my backyard at my office in Boulder at the Brewers Association and in DC. Um, but my favorite scene is I'm in the backyard and I have a professional brewer from Vienna, Austria, Bierall, um, Christoph is his name. And they flew him into D- to, uh, the US because he was kind of the feature subject of the movie. Um, and his counterpart was Peter Buchart, formerly of New Belgium, uh, now with Purpose Brewing. But he—they paired me with Christoph, and we brewed a beer on my back patio. So I had a professional brewer. Ah, oh, sneeze. Excuse me. Who was kind of my like sous chef, but in the in the brew house. And I was like, "Go grab that bag, please. Can you dump this in here? And like, let's stir now." And it was so fun. And we made a. Um, A whole new style of beer, which I feel like I invented um, because he went silent right before he was going to come to the States. And I'm like, oh, my God, Kristoff, we're supposed to like collaborate on this recipe. I got to buy the stuff. And so he was quiet. So it was supposed to be a Baltic porter, Mm -hmm. but I did not do a great job in recipe formulation. So it turned out to be more of a Baltic red. Yes. Um, and, uh, I, I, we also, while filming, there were cher- ch- choke cherries that, that mother nature grew in my backyard. We did not plan them literally in full bloom. So it was a choke cherry Baltic red. And what a, what a sweet, wonderful thing to get to homebrew with a professional brewer in a movie that is an international movie that everybody should watch. And, uh, the website to download it at, and, um, get you the link is uh beermovie.org.
0: Yeah, I, I got to watch it. I think I got a link. Or when it first came out and you're right awesome. it is it is a it it is a love story about beer and I just remember watching it and just being so excited about the fact that I get to work in this industry and um love I love the different aspects and the different focuses on it and um definitely watch it even if you don't even work in the industry I, I highly recommend watching it it's it's a really fantastic and uh movie and there's the the scenes in you know in Europe and especially like Belgium are just incredible to see as someone who's never been able to get the chance to go over there yet. So I guess, you know, is there anything that you're um, working on or what's next for you that anybody that you want people to know about, or just um, follow you through gray for good and hers muses?
1: Yeah, I think that I am here for um, a purpose and I still every day get to give Towards that purpose, even though sometimes it's not as defined as others. Um, so I love giving back to those that I find a fit and helping them, you know, grow grow their interest in demand and demand and top of mind awareness Toma. Um, so KersMuses uh um dot com is my website, and Great for Good for All Womanhood, which is grayforgood.com is really truly, I think, a simmering lifetime project that will take, I think, a generation of uh work to get mass acceptance, but it's a great supportive um outlet and so if you believe in those types of things check it out and share it and tell me where you're donating your your money that's not savings from not coloring or just the money out of your pocket when you do donate tell me tell me where you're donating to women and girls causes that are after eradicating gender equity because that's what that's what we need to get at so those are the two big things top of mind and i'm grateful and gracious to to interface with anyone including you kinsey and your listeners listening now like having a beer with somebody, whether it's virtual in person is one of the most rewarding things ever. It brings us together. It teaches about us ourselves. It teaches about geography. It teaches us about each other and agriculture and, um, and history so much. So I'm, I'm just still in the space. Um, and I'm doing what I do one day at a time, like the rest of us. And, uh, I, I cheers to, to everyone listening, I guess.
0: And you're crushing it too. You're definitely, you're, We, uh, the beer industry is a better place because of you and people like you. So, well, thank you. Before we end, I like to end with rapid fire kind of this or that and a few questions. So, yes, I tried, tried to prepare, but I don't know if you always ask the same question. I haven't switched it up. So you'll probably be prepared. Uh, Uh, You prefer six pack of 12 ounce cans or four pack of 16 ounce cans? uh, Six pack, 12 ounce. Um, if you're brewing with it, ale or lager yeast? Ale if you're drinking strap from it a can or a bottle? can. new england or west coast IPA? west coast all the way baby. stout or porter? porter all the way baby. <laughs>
1: dosa or berliner or Weiss? um i can take either any day but don't drink them often.
0: <laughs> that's true. berliner is give me heartburn so <laughs> seltzer or cider? cider. chocolate or vanilla in your beer? chocolate. I think I know the answer to this one but brewery cats or brewery dogs? Dogs. Yeah. And now you get you got a sweet is it a boy?
1: Yeah, uh 100% blue healer named Bandit. Um favorite beer city that you've been to. Uh where I'm sitting, Boulder, Denver, Front Range area of Colorado, which is not a city but it should be.
0: It's a, <laughs> I mean it, Fort Collins to yeah. it's great here. So Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins. I was supposed to I had all everything ready to come out to CBC, but with the tap room being pushed back i had to sadly hit that cancel on all my trips so still haven't been out there but obviously i know i need to it's it's on the list it's on the short list you let me know when favorite beer glass style
1: triangle tiku tulip so it's the tiku glass that's more of like a triangle Ooh, it's a good one favorite hop variety Um, you know, I thought about this one and my snarky answer is anyone that has a number because I love the experimentation going on and you never know if it's going to stay in the market or whatever. So the numbered
0: hops. (laughs) So let's see, Idaho seven, what else is there? That's kind of newish that people would know about. Um, I guess that's the only one I can think of right now that still has a number because it's Idaho seven, still fairly, I guess, new in the market. That's why it has the seven. A lot of people don't know that they start out as numbers until they get, you know, used a lot and popular, then maybe half names. Uh, What's your go-to beer right now? Oh man,
1: Um, Milo from Fremont is amazing. It's brewed, it's one of their hop, IPAs, hoppy centric brewery uh, out of the Pacific Northwest. And it's named after dogs and people that love dogs. Uh, I just, I'm can't drink enough of
0: it right now. I'm such a sucker for like a dog beer. If you could go on any beer vacation right now, where would it be and why? Beer
1: vacation would be biking in Belgium to breweries. It's a good one. Have you been to Belgium? No, but my oldest child, because I have a 16 and an 18-year-old, my 18-year-old just moved to France, northern France, to start college, and he's 30
0: miles from the Belgian border. So I've got to get to Brussels and tour. And Yeah, I have a feeling a trip's trip's in your very... very soon future. Totally agree. And then last question, if you could have a beer with one person, who would it be?
1: Um, you Kinsey, I'm thirsty right now and I don't have a beer in my hand. Neither do you.
0: (laughs) No, I don't. I've got still a lot more to do. I'll have a beer in my hand later. I'll, I'll virtually toast you. Okay. Send me a picture. Tag me. (laughs) I will. Well, that was so sweet. I know there was probably that wasn't your real answer, but I'll go ahead and take it. Well you should and I here's what's going on in beer right so many established it there's so many
1: pioneers and and heritage legacy People and I'm, you know, I'm. I guess rising to that at my age, my young age of 53. I'm not, you know, one of the main people that started this whole amazing thing. I'm riding coattails, but you, Kinsey, and your generation are, you know, the coattails that'll kind of really button things up and make a whole new dresser or, or skirt or you know suit out of it. And so what I'm loving is seeing all this new energy and all the enthusiasm. And you know, I, I see some gruff and I see some grumpiness and I see some crumudgeony. Um and people mouth off on social more than they should because they would never talk that way to your face. But I like the metaphorical checks and balance that's going on from, you know, this generation. So anytime, Kinsey, I can talk to somebody that's younger than me, that's leading in beer, and I see you as leading in beer based on the steps you're making, I am all into interface and learn from you and have you tell me what I need to know.
0: Well, I'm an emotional person, so you're gonna make me cry. (laughs) Seriously, thank you. I like, I mean, like you're saying that, for me, I mean, you've kind of led the way for us women in beer, and you know, we wouldn't be able to, to do a lot, you know, have our voices or have podcasts or be journalists without you know you leading the way. Whether through the it was with the Brewers Association and now through Hers Muses, and you know, you're even your Gray for a Good campaign. So, for all the people in my generation, we thank you for you know being those leaders. Um, so, thank you. But uh, gosh, you got me all choked up now. You're a little lost for words. I am. i d I'm I I I get I I'm a I get emotional. So when people, when uh when stuff like that gets said, I I do get a little bit of a loss for words. So thank you. And if we and if we had a beer together, I would want to have
1: what you tell me I should drink and talk me through it. Like that would be such a treat.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of an old school drinker though. I'm not like an IPA heavy-fruited sour person. I like I like a this is uh I'm going to this is really not embarrassing but it's very weird. My favorite one of my favorite styles is a brown ale. So no, it's not weird. You are
1: so a woman after my own heart. And um, in that vein, my favorite beer right now, which is in Denver, Hogshead Brewing, which is one of the most authentic English style breweries in the U.S. that you can find. Um, their uh, Chinwag ESB, their, their bitter, is just like off the charts amazing. And in the same vein of like good old, you know, um, either American English or, or, sorry, American or English brown ale, like There's so much nuance in those style beers, and they are not fancy. They don't hang their hat on acidity. There's no added, you know, wacky ingredients, and they are true to form in what they deliver. And if you want to talk about, you know, pairing again, like, grilled, roasted and smoked proteins. Right. And that preparation that takes you to Maillard reaction and uh, melanoidins and development of brown malt flavors that then you can kind of marry to the brown malts in those beers, American or English brown ale or an ESB, you know, you're talking major synergy. So yeah.
0: I, if I go to a brewery and they have a brown ale on tap, that's what I'm ordering. And thankfully one of Highwire's course year round beers is a brown ale. And I'm awesome. probably, the, I'm probably the only reason that they still make it because I buy it enough or drink it enough. Love it. Love it. All right, Julia, thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much for coming on here. It was so amazing to finally connect. I'm sure this won't be the last time we chat and or hopefully in one day we'll get to meet each other in person and have that beer. Yeah, well, minimum in March when we get back to the Craft Beverage Expo,
1: super excited. Um, and let me know if you call to the Colorado Front Range. Um, I give a famous golf cart tour of my little town of Lyons, Colorado, where we zip around to the distillery and then main stage brewing and Oscar blues. And we go to the parks and we, we fly along on the zip line and go by the river. So that's my favorite way to tour people through my, um, my
0: backyard. I love that. I will, I can take you to all the distilleries and, and breweries here in Louisville as well. I, it's, I'm not a bourbon drinker, so I will be the, I can definitely be the D.D. All right. We always need one of those. (laughs) All right, Julia. Thank you so much and have a great Monday and have a great week. Thanks for the opportunity. Be well, keep up the great work.